Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. everybody welcome to another episode of the comic source i'm your host jace and this is jay this is your new comics wednesday episode for march 2nd 2022 and holy crap there are so many good books this week huge week for marvel uh but independence not to be outdone there's a couple of three four five fantastic independent books uh some decent DC book, a little bit of a down week for DC, uh, to be honest. But uh, if you're looking for the DC stuff, as always, it's on our DC spotlight that comes out on Tuesdays. There are spoilers. So forewarned is forearmed. If you're looking for the DC stuff and you don't want it to be spoiled, go read your DC stuff. Go read your DC books first, uh, then come back and listen to uh, the episode. Um, but here on New Comic Wednesday episode, spoiler free. So Jay and I will talk about some of the books that we've already had a chance to read, uh, and we'll talk about them spoiler-free. So uh, let's kick it off with Jay's first book, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Salvador LaRocca on art, Guru EFX on colors, Clayton Cowell on letters. Uh, this creative team continues to add to the mythos that is Alien. So it's Alien number 10. What are your thoughts, Jay? Exciting. We know that uh, they're, uh, Jane's in charge of the small group that survived from the original uh, little colony trying to make it to the next settlement. That's the whole premise of the story. But we know a good alien story is going to get bloody and violent quick and fast. People make mistakes and it costs a lot. <laughs> uh, the reason I like this so much is uh, the world of alien, you could do what you, I mean, the writing has, uh, you can, we all know what aliens do and how they're bred and all that kind of stuff, but they kind of like changing things up and I kind of liking where they're going with this. So I'm going to see uh, how they're going to uh, kind of change the whole uh, breeding method of the alien and what they can do. So it's, uh, it's been kind of fun, right? So I'm going to see what happens next. Yeah. I mean, throughout the series, Philip K. Johnson's really been expanding on the mythos, the mythology that is alien. Um, and, and here's, here's, here's kind of how I, I think about it in terms of, man, you meet these characters and you like them. And then before you know it, they're gone. And so in that way, it reminds me of Walking Dead. But keep in mind, Alien came first. Alien came first. So if anything, Walking Dead emulated Alien because you know the first Alien, you could have liked any number of the crew members of the Nostromo, and they all died except for Sigourney Weaver. And then in the second movie, it was even even more so. Like, we really got to know some of those Marines and really liked them. Um, but other than half of Bishop and uh, Ripley and Newt, 
no, nobody made, nobody made it. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Like they drop like flies in this book and it's painful to watch, but it's in a way it's sort of to be expected because it's always, it's always been that way in alien books. So, uh, all right. First book I'm going to talk about is the final, uh, issue for now, I believe of a thing called truth issue number five, this ends the first arc, I believe, uh, it's by Yolanda Zanfardino. Alisa Romboli does the art. Uh, Melissa, uh, sorry, Melanie Hackett is the editor. Um, this is a fantastic book, uh, and I've talked a lot about it. Uh, we have a doctor, Mags, who uh, kind of escaping a past, uh, her, her carefully planned life sort of flipped upside down, and she meets this freewheeling, carefree spirit, Dorian, who's out on a mission of her own to do all these wild and crazy things that her brother never got a chance to do uh, in his lifetime. And uh, they're, they're, it's definitely a case of a kind of offices attract. Now, if that attraction is actually going to lead to some sort of uh, romantic relationship, it's been hinted at, but it hasn't been consummated uh, at least until this issue, we get more hints perhaps that one or both these characters have romantic feelings for each other. So uh, I've really been enjoying this series. I've talked a lot about how it seems like the truth that each of these characters is searching for may be found in the way the other person perceives them. Like they're, they're too close to themselves to be able to see what the truth is about themselves, but through the eyes of their friend or possibly more than a friend, they can see the truth about themselves. So there's a, that's a powerful message. And it's been a theme that's run throughout the, uh, the story. This one really has some drama and some tension in it. And uh, I look forward to more because it ends on a really great moment, but it, it doesn't necessarily feel like an ending. So I hope there's more of this to come. Uh, and the art is, is fantastic. It's kinetic, um, kind of a, a pastel color palette. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a really really well done comic by these uh, these two. Uh, I believe they're Italian ladies with Yolanda doing the the writing and the lettering and um, and even doing some some of the covers. She's an artist in her own right, um, although she says she's nowhere <laughs> near as good as uh, Elisa, who does the the interiors and and two of the covers as well. So it definitely gets my recommendation. You guys should check it out. Uh, okay, up next for Jay, latest issue of Amazing Spider Man. We're up to issue 91. This one's written by Kelly Thompson, Sarah Pacelli, and Fran Galen on pencils. Brian Reaver does the colors. Joe Caramagna on letters. Continuing the Beyond storyline. What lurks behind door Z? Uh, what do you, <laughs> you think of this one, Jay? I'll tell you what. It's been a while since I got excited for Spider-Man. I uh, look forward to reading that book. And this was one of the first ones I opened. It's just been a fun ride because, uh, you know, we finally got to team up with Ben and Peter uh, trying to bring down the corporation, so to speak. But we also know Ben's got some issues and they're very well displayed in this issue that uh, those memory gaps are starting to be uh, more of a pain than anything as they trying to bring down the, the corporation. What I liked about it was some of the creatures they're making are just off the wall, what they're trying to create in this place. Uh, some other heroes show up to help them give them a hand, which is kind of, uh, I guess, a way to tie it all together, I guess you can say. But at the ending, we get that huge panel of who is behind Door Z, and I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that. Um, I echo your sentiments that... You know, Spider-Man, he's one of my favorite characters, been reading Spider-Man for, for literally for decades. And I got to say, you know, as much as I'm a fan of, of Nick Spencer on certain things, his, his Spider-Man had become a chore to read. And it, it just wasn't like, I feel like Spider-Man should always be a title that's fun. There should be like a joy to it, even right. though you're dealing with some, you know, serious stuff. And certainly we are dealing with some serious stuff with, uh, as you alluded to, Ben not, not having his memories, part of that part of what drives him, part of what makes him a hero. It seems like the, uh, the whole idea of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility has been sort of erased from his personality, which like, as you said, can, can cause some big problems. So there, uh, this team, this beyond group that's writing the book now, uh, which is sort of like a TV or movie writer's room sort of approach. Um, 
they're dealing with some serious stuff, but it still has a joy. It's still fun. It's still wild. It's still Spider-Man. So uh, the only thing that I didn't like about the issue, like I'm like Sarah Pacelli, like when I think of her artwork, I think of how clean it was on Ultimate Spider-Man. And th- this is not that style. And I don't know if it's because she's with this Fran Galen person or or what have you, but like the colors are darker than I'm used to seeing her work. And yeah, there was just a kind of a darkness to the art that I wasn't expecting, being that it was Sarah Pacelli. So I mean, not bad art by any means, but just not necessarily what I expected. So uh, okay, up next for me is Avengers Forever. This is written by Jason Aaron. We've got pencils by Aaron Cutter, inks by Cam Smith and Scott Hanna, colors by Guru VFX, letters by Corey Petit. This has been real fun, right? There's a Deathlock dispatched by the mysterious Avenger Prime. He showed up on 616, and then he and Robbie Reyes were pulled away, found themselves on Earth 818, which is ruled by the Black Skull, which is basically the Red Skull and and Venom like mashed together. Uh, he, this um, Black Skull's been torturing Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes, they're calling him the All Rider. Supposedly, he's got more power and he's destined to save the Marvel multiverse and whatnot. Uh, what's really cool about Eight One Eight is the heroes are the heroes that maybe you recognize, but completely shifted. Like Tony Stark's there and he's a hero, but he's Ant Man. And there's a Moon Knight, but she's female. And there's a Wonder Man, but he's like uh, this undead zombie. Um, so there's all these. And the thing is like this, they call him Infinity Thing. And he's like multicolored, like the Infinity Gems. So everything is sort of flipped around and changed and just really different. And, you know, Jason Aaron did the the Heroes Reborn um, anniversary event and got to play with the Marvel Multiverse. And now he's pushing that to 11. And it's just it, this is just a wild and really fun comic. Um, the art by Aaron Cooter is fantastic. Colors uh, are great um, from Guru EFX, really bright colors. And um, going up against this black skull, it, he's formidable. And at the end of the issue, I won't spoil it, but um, there's some more enemies that show up that uh, these heroes, <laughs> these heroes are in trouble. Um, you know, no matter what mashup of, of hero they are, they're definitely in trouble. So I'm really enjoying this. It, the only nitpick I have, I've said this before, I just wish they'd call it something besides Avengers Forever, because that'll always be that 90s Kurt Busiek book in my mind. Um, but this is still a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, okay, for Jay, up next, let me get it in front of me. We have uh, the debut of a new book. Um, it's issue number one of Strange by Jed McKay. The art is by Marcelo, or I should say Pencils, by Marcelo Ferreira. Don Ho with Roberto Poggi on inks. Jana Tartaglia and Felipe Sobrero on colors and Corey Petit on letters. So for those not aware, Doctor Strange is dead. That was why we had the death of Doctor Strange mini by Jed McKay, also the writer of this series. Uh, and at the end of Death of Doctor Strange, um, Doctor Strange had, he, he had set up um, like a fail safe. Like when he died, he pulled a version of himself from the past to the present to solve his own demise. And then once it was solved, his past self went back to the past. But before he left, um, he bequeathed his uh, magical items, his most important magical items to his wife, Clea, so she could become the new uh, Sorcerer Supreme. So that's why it's called Strange, because technically Clea is his wife, so her last name is also Strange. Um, and she does have the Eye of Agamotto, the Cloak of Levitation, and the title of uh, Sorcerer Supreme. So interesting take, because <laughs> she she is not even human. You know, she's a Faltine, and in a way, she's a lot more brutal. Uh, and a lot less merciful than Doctor Strange. So it's a different take on uh, the idea of a Sorcerer Supreme. What do you think, Jay? Oh, it's fun because, you know, she's Sorcerer Supreme of the dark dimension. So there should tell you that she's not going to be the goody-goody like our Strange is. It's fun because uh, I was kind of looking forward to see how they're going to, you know, how they're going to play it out. You know, how long will she be? the Supreme until they bring strange back. Cause you know, fans would be like, bring strange back. You're going to want Steven back eventually, you know, and the Marvel or any comic world, you know, heroes don't die forever. They come back eventually. Well, don't, and don't forget, we have a, 
another Doctor Strange movie coming. Yeah, so it's like you know they can't kill him off yet. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's fun because she gets uh, a get you know someone knocking on the door, which which is weird because to have that tenacity to go, hey, I want it, and you know it's just like no, it was no fighting, but it was just the, you could tell the animosity is there. But she's like you know whatever, get out of here. So that was kind of fun. I won't give away who it is. Um, but yes, when she uh, confronts some of the, uh, you know, some of the bad people in the story, I mean, she's brutal. Yeah. And even <laughs> they're just like, hey, you can't do that. She's like, I'm not strange and I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not Steven. Yep. But uh, I just like the, the way she is, you know, because like I said, she's not human. She's just, you know, uh, she's doing the mantle. She's doing it because she's, you know, she's got to do it. But the whole premise, I guess we're going to get from this little series, like, you know, she's trying to bring Strange back from the dead. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, the ending of the, I guess the last four panels is kind of cool, but uh, I just want, I'm just looking for the next issue to see where they're going to go with the, the next, you know, uh, the next battle, but it's, it's kind of fun so far. And then the covers, I think there's like what, 12 different covers coming yeah. out for this. So you're at your shop, you know, try to get those variants, I guess. I mean, the one I'm looking for is the arc arc room. Cause I just like his artwork. Yeah, I think um, that whole idea of her wanting to bring Strange back, it, it goes right along with what you're saying, right? Like, she wants what she wants. She's not going to take no for an answer from anybody. So, if she wants to bring uh, Steven back, then that's what she's going to do. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. I, I like the Arjun variant, too. Um, Although there's no way I'm springing for the Virgin variant of it, which is like a one in two hundred. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'll get the uh, I'll get that and the uh, Scott Campbell. You know, I'll do those covers. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know that I saw the Jay Scott Campbell one. Oh, it's pretty. Uh, it's nice. Oh, I see, I see it now. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. I'll talk about uh, another Marvel book. So I, I I've been talking about this book, I think for every issue that it's come out. Because it's, it's ultimately just a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, it's Captain America Iron Man. It's from writer Derek Landy. Beautiful art by Angel Unzieta. Rachel Rosenberg does the colors. Joe Caramani on letters. It's just, it, it's one of those books that feels timeless. It's not really tied into any particular continuity. But obviously, it's Captain America and Iron Man teamed up. And I love the banter back and forth that, uh, that Landy gives us because... These are characters that have known each other for decades and they give each other a bad time. And it's a lot of fun. We don't get that much of that in this particular issue only because Captain America and Iron Man have to split up and and they're, they're kind of handling different aspects of this mission where they're trying to defeat this being called the overseer. Who's this sort of evil AI who was teamed up with Veronica Eden, who's a former Hydra agent who wanted to be queen of Hydra and, kind of take over the world and actually eliminate superheroes because she sees that as a good thing. Uh, Her becoming Hydra, Hydra actually as a benevolent organization that will make the world a better place by getting rid of superheroes, because that in turn will uh, get rid of supervillains. If there's no superheroes, there will be no supervillains. That whole argument about, you know, uh, mutually assured destruction. And, you know, if somebody brings a gun and the other person brings a, you know, uh, or somebody brings like a revolver, the next person will bring a semi-automatic. So then the other person levels up and brings an automatic. And then the next person brings a bazooka. The next person brings tank and on and on and on. Right. So that's her, her philosophy. So in this particular issue, we learn a lot about some of the machinations that have been going on behind the scenes with Victoria Eden and overseer and who they've teamed up with and why, and the conspiracy sort of spirals out and it's much bigger than we uh, we possibly expected. So as much fun as this series has been, what's really great about this particular issue from Derek Landy is how he levels up the tension and the drama and the scope of the story with all these people involved in different ways than you realized. And it, it doesn't diminish anything that's come before. And you can kind of, it it makes sense. Some of the things that have happened before that you maybe didn't even really notice or you didn't realize were important at the time. And I love that because it's one thing to do it. um, Like for example, in, um, in DC's book this week, uh, Dark Knights of Steel from Tom Taylor, he does a couple of things where you're like, oh, I didn't know that, but I went back and looked at the issues and there was no hints. There was nothing that happened that was foreshadowing that. And so it feels like a little bit of a cheat when you like pull the rug out from under or you reveal these uh, events or 
motivations or personality aspects of characters that haven't been revealed before. When that happens here, when Derek Landy gives us this new information, I didn't even have to go back and look. I already knew that it mirrored some events or made some events that happened before make more sense. And so it's just a really, really well written story. And it's a hell of a lot of fun. The art by Angel Unzetta has been fantastic throughout. That's no different here, especially the color work by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, the way it teams up with the line work is fantastic. So great, great story. And also, like I said, when I first started talking about this book, the fact that it's like continuity, like you don't need to know anything that's going on with Iron Man right now in his book. You don't need to know anything that's going on with Captain America in his book. You can just pick this up and read it all on its own without knowing anything else that's going on in the Marvel Universe. That's a great book because, you know, it, it's, re- it's readily accessible, easily accessible for a, a new reader, somebody who's a big fan of the MCU and just wants to read, you know, a cool comic with, with Captain America and, uh, and Iron Man. You know, this one's right there for you. So, uh, okay. Up next for Jay, we have uh, Daredevil Woman Without Fear. We're up to issue three of this book, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky. Rafael Della Torre is the artist. Federico Blee on colors and Clayton Cowell on letters. What'd you think of this one? I like it. Like I said before, it's like, if you're not a huge lecture fan, this probably, you probably think, yeah, this book's okay. But for me, I've always been a fan of the character. So I kind of like this story a lot. Um, we, of course we get the battle with her and uh, Craven and uh, it's a pretty good fight. And you know, Electra has to go back to her roots to kind of, you know, uh, pull the W out of this, which is kind of nice because, you know, she is who she is. You know, it's. Yeah. That was, I mean, well, it, that was yeah. well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's that's who she is. You know, she's got to go back to her basis to do what she's got to do. Um, her and her. I guess her mentor shows up at the at the end of this and then we find out who's behind the curtain which is we we're talking about earlier which might be kind of the book you might want to get just because of that last panel but uh like i said i've, I've enjoyed the story i enjoy the character a lot and i like about this is like you know you get to see more of that love interest or her lover you know uh, uh daredevil matt you know you know of how the closer relationship is and um there's a big setup at the end of this also for Electra, and i just know there's there's a lot going on that you know that they're kind of suckering her to do you know what she what they want her to do you know what i mean and she's doing it because of love she's not thinking she's just you know blind love she's just doing it because you know she has to do it yeah i thought i didn't know if i liked the way they did that sort of reveal or, or sort of um cliffhanger ending that they did at that moment only because like that issue so it says go go read uh devil's reign number five devil's reign number five is not even out this week like why did this come out like this should have come out the same week as devil's reign number five um I think they probably messed. I think they messed up. I think they just got the timing wrong. So, because I was going to ask you that too, I was just thinking, well, maybe just the timing was just off or something happened with yeah. the paper shortage and everything, and they're like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> yeah. So that I, I just, yeah, it's a missed opportunity there. I think they kind of, yeah, like you said, they probably just messed up. Somebody, somebody was late with some art, or or yeah, paper shortage or shipping or something. Um, but yeah, that that was that was a bit of a disappointment because it's not that it necessarily spoils. Number five, but I just would have said read number five. You know, if given the choice, you're gonna you want to read uh, Devil's Reign number five before you read that book. So right. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Um, so, so I, I'm so terrible this week. Uh, I couldn't decide because there's like three books that that just blew me away. So I, I'm I'm going with a three way tie for my book of the week, and the first one of them is uh is crossover number 12 <laughs> from from donny cates uh robert kirkman helps with the story of pages one through ten uh jeff shaw is the artist phil hester and claus jansen help out with the art in pages one through ten d Cuniff on colors john j hill letters and design um it, it's it's tough it's tough to talk about this book without spoiling things um but I can now say, now that this issue is out, that at the end of issue 11, Negan shows up. Um, like, he, he was the, uh, the big reveal, um, and it was, it was fantastic. It, it's really cool to have him show up. This book is so meta 
uh, you know, Donnie Cates is the writer, but he's he's in the book. Brian Michael Bendis is in the book. Scott Snyder's in the book. Chip Zdarsky's in the book. Like, it's a book about the crossover of of uh, fictional worlds, fictional comic book universes, and it's all spilled over into supposedly the real world where this book supposedly takes place. And seeing these characters have a life of their own and talk to their creators and you know, have motivations and talk a certain way. And they're aware their comic book characters. Like it just, it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun. Like this, this comic celebrates the love of comics that Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw and all these other creators have for the medium that they, uh, that joy that I was talking about, like with a Spider-Man book, that, that's what comes through in this book, the joy that these creators have in the medium, the joy that they have in the, the characters that they've created, but also making a commentary on what it is to create things and give them a life of their own and, and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, this book, every issue gets better than the previous one. Like just when I think it can't get better, the next issue comes out and I'm like, Oh my God, it's better. You know, um, like having Negan as a, the reveal last issue was fantastic. Um, but where Donnie Kitts takes Negan as a character in this issue makes it even better. Uh, it's it just, it's just so good. It, it really, really is um, playing with uh, the fourth wall, playing with, with tropes. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a page here where Donnie Kitts, the character in the comic, Donnie Kitts does something that can only be done in a comic in this like a super meta way um, that just, it brought a smile on my face. So the, the art is fun. Um, like uh, the only thing I'll say is if, um, if you're not a big fan of Robert Kirkman, you definitely have to buy this comic. Definitely <laughs> have to buy this comic. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, okay. Next book I'm going to talk about is uh, another Marvel book. It's Fantastic Four, number 41. This is part of the Reckoning War. So we know that there's this group of alien warlords. They're called the Reckoning. They, eons ago, were, were given technology that belonged to the Watchers, the Watchers uh, race before they were the Watchers. The reason the Watchers became the Watchers is because they gave this group um, their technology and this group use the watcher technology to wage war. And that's when the watch. So then the watchers used their power to imprison this race and became the watchers and said, we can't share our technology or our knowledge with any other races in the galaxy to try to better them because they're too warlike. They're too primitive and look at all the pain it caused. So we'll make our vow to never interfere. So that's how the watchers became the watchers. Well, this, this group that now calls themselves the reckoning, they have escaped and they are once again, sharing that technology with all the different races in the universe, which are using them to wage war against each other. Um, and Mr. Fantastic, along with the fantastic four, went aboard Galactus's ship Dow, I think it was a Dow four uh, and uh, read absorbed all the in information, all the knowledge of Galactica's ship. And now he's only has three days to live because it's too much for the human mind to contain. But in the meantime, he's got this knowledge and he's trying to use it to save the universe. So they have to start by going to the homeworld of the Shi'ar, protect the Makan crystal from some of these beings who want to take it and reshape reality. Meanwhile, Johnny Storm has gone to um, the planet where his uh, former mate, Sky. Uh, calls home. It's called the planet's called Spire. That planet's inhabited with a bunch of beings that have been affected by the power cosmic, and they have a bunch of power. So Johnny goes there to save them from uh, Annihilus, who's attacking them, but then recruits them to come and help uh, bring peace and, and stop all these alien races from attacking each other with this Watcher uh, weaponry. So there's a lot of moving parts. It's a it's a story that's 20 years in the making. Um, Dan Slott's been teasing the Reckoning War for literally 20 years. She-Hulk's in this book. Jack of Hearts is in this book. Um, it's a big cosmic story. There's one-shots and whatnot that tie in. Uh, 
Silver Surfer shows up here, Thor shows up here, and somebody else shows up. Um, in a way, all of Galactus's heralds are being summoned by the universe itself, apparently, to help uh, fight against this reckoning war. Uh, so if you have a deep knowledge of who some of Galactus's heralds were, you'll know some of these other people that show up. Um, and the, the, the final couple pages, what happens is is like, holy crap, Dan Slott's got some really great ideas. He's really up in the game. Like um, in, in years, like if this, if this book was taking place, if this, I use event, you know, with air quotes, because it just takes place within the pages of Fantastic Four. And then a few crossovers, like I said, a few, a few dedicated one shots. Um, but if you dialed this back, this feels like a very classic event. If you dialed this back, 10, 15 years ago, it would be something that affected, you know, every title or most of the titles of Marvel or went through all the Marvel annuals for a summer. Like, it feels like that big of an event. Uh, no, the, the big two don't really do events like that anymore. Too many people complain um, and it disrupts sales and whatnot, but plus they don't really have the editorial coordination anymore, I feel like, but uh, this is just a really fun, fun story. Um Kind of similar to what I was saying with the Captain America Iron Man book, where it's just it, it's just a really fun comic where you don't really need to know much else that's going on. You can just read the Reckoning War stuff, and it's not a big sprawling crossover, but it's a it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. Speaking of crossovers, um, we also have uh, Devil's Reign X Men number two. So obviously, this ties in with the Devil's Reign event that's going on. Uh, in the pages of uh, Devil's Reign itself, which is a spinoff of the Daredevil book, which is on hiatus right now. Um, and we know that in issue one, it was all about the Kingpin having supposed evidence uh, against the White Queen that she kidnapped and perhaps killed this young girl. Um, but really, it's just the Kingpin messing with the White Queen because he can, uh, because she dared to stand up to him and has dared to try to stop him from enacting this ban that he has on uh, superpowered beings in New York. So uh, Kingpin is, you know, he's the ultimate puppet master. He's pulling the strings and he's actually making things sort of difficult for the white queen, which is surprising in a way because she's so powerful. So this book does a great job uh, from writer Jerry Dugan of showing both the, uh, how powerful and formidable and smart the white queen is but also how the kingpin counters those moves. They both come across really great. Sometimes one has the upper hand, sometimes uh, the other does. Uh, and there's also plenty of flashback that explains why somebody would think that White Queen had kidnapped this girl. There's a lot of guest stars uh, in the flashbacks and in the, the modern um, present day stuff. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The Phil Noto art is fantastic. Uh, he does the line work and the colors. Clayton Cowell is on letters. Um, it's just a lot of fun. If you're a fan of the white queen, it's a must read. She comes across as such a complicated and complex character here in the hands of Jerry Dugan. And, uh, yeah, it, I'm enjoying this more than I thought I would. I mean, I haven't always been the biggest white queen fan, but I, I love Jerry Dugan's take on the character. I think it's really, really fantastic. So, uh, okay. Up next for Jay. We have what uh, what I would say is my, my second pick for book of the week. Uh, it's Nocterra number eight. Scott Snyder and Tony Daniel on story. Tony S. Daniel handles the art as well. Marcelo Maiello on colors and world design uh, on letters. What do you think of this one, Jay? Man, it's amazing. Uh, I can't say enough about the artwork and the covers. Uh, the story is uh, phenomenal. Uh, this is the second part, I guess, of the new second arc of the story. And all I got to say is uh, Black Tap Bill is very cold. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, the way he does, I mean, the way it starts off, it's just like, wow, okay. But uh, we get a little more uh, information about the shades are kind of like hints in there. So, you know, we get a little more uh, backstory of those characters of the that creature, I guess you can say that there's, you know, uh, going on there because of Blacktop Bill. We also get, uh, I guess, at the end, uh, uh, I guess, a t a, you know, a, a, I guess a team up, I guess you would say, which I 
they were all like, okay, I guess, but I mean, I don't know if I would want to do that, but sure, we'll see what happens. But it's just a fun uh, ride so far. And this second uh, story arc is just going to be pretty entertaining. The first was, was fabulous to set up for the second arc. But uh, yeah, they're just, it's just awesome. That's all I got to say about it. It's just, it. I almost became a book of the week, but I got a different one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the reason it's my book of the week is, like you said, the, the last couple pages, um, Snyder and Daniel really pulled the rug out from under us in terms of where the story's going. It's a, it's quite a shock, and it, but it's fun and it makes sense. It makes total sense based on what hap- what's happening in the story. Um, but just like I said, last issue, issue seven, which started the second arc, uh, and this continues the feeling of, okay, now that the first arc's over, the second arc is going to expand the world of Noctera. It's going to expand the scope of the story. It's going to make it feel more big, more epic. The first issue is sort of a little more intimate, focused on Val and her brother Emery and had that immediacy of, of trying to cure M of, uh, of the darkness that had infected him. Uh, and, and yeah, we saw, we saw plenty of the world and we saw the way kind of the world of Noctera works with the shades and the darkness and all that sort of stuff. Um, but this second arc really ramps up that idea of um, the survivors and the emotion uh, and how the world has tried to pull together as much as they can in this world of darkness where everybody's sort of facing extinction. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, in this one, it, we, we sort of even dial it up another notch in terms of uh, scope. And we get some hints on who's behind the, the idea that there's no light in the world anymore and, yeah, I was I was just blown away, totally blown away by this book. As you mentioned, the covers are fantastic. Like I was holy shit when I read this. Um, <laughs> that 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 moment, um, that event that happens in the last couple of pages, best moment of the year so far in a comic. So you know, when I'm doing my awards for best of 2022. This right. is going to be on there. This will, this will be on the list. Um, oh, it definitely is. Definitely yeah, must read. You got to read it. You got to read it. You're not reading. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So w- w- get caught up in whatever way you have to buy the trade for the first six issues and then buy issue seven, buy this issue that's out today as we're re- uh, releasing this or get them all digitally or buy all the singles, whatever way you need to catch up, you must read this book. Uh, it's so clear that, uh, that Scott, this is the best thing Scott Snyder's done in, in a long time. Like all of his best jacket stuff, the stuff he's doing at Comicsology, this title, uh, it's leaps and bounds in my mind, um, better than what he was doing at, at DC. And it, not to say the stuff he was doing at DC is bad. It's just he, the sky's the limit here. There's there's no, oh well, we can't do that because Batman is this corporate character and he's you know worth billions of dollars and lunchboxes and pajamas and action figures and you know like they can do whatever they want to do and they're doing it and it's so much fun so i i can't say enough good stuff about it so yeah that's my second book of the week definitely tied i I, it's so hard to choose between those two and i'll throw a third book in there that i i mean these three usually i say if you only have to if you can only buy one book buy this it's my book of the week i gotta say i'm sorry scrounge around find change in your car skip lunch skip skip uh, a Starbucks coffee this week and get these three books. You got to get crossover 12. You got to get Noctera number eight, and you got to get rogue son number one, which is uh, the debut of this new character from writer, Ryan Parrott. Abel is the artist, Chris O'Halloran on colors, Becca carry on letters. Now we saw him make his debut last week in Supermassive, And, um, this gives us sort of the origin story. And we know this is not a spoiler because it's out there in the solicits and uh, Ryan Parrott's been talking about it in the interviews that he's done. So that rogue son that we saw in, uh, in Supermassive is actually the father of the, the rogue son. That's actually going to be rogue son in this book. The father dies. The father has died um, and he's bequeathed, his son, somewhat a strange son, the power of Rogue Son. What does that mean? How is that going to play out? What does it mean when when this kid gets the powers of Rogue Son? Because it's sort of the idea of Peter Parker getting powers flipped on its head, right? Because this kid that gets the powers, 
he's the he's not the nerd. He's the bully. He's the one that's shoving people in their lockers. He's the one that's uh, you know taking advantage of other kids, making them do their homework, th- that kind of stuff. And so, will being a hero or having these powers make him a better person or a worse person? So there, there's there's a lot to unpack here. The art by Abel. I'm not I'm not familiar with Abel as an artist, but uh, it's it's an interesting style. It, it um, I wouldn't say it's really realistic, but it's not super stylized either. It's a very uh, appropriate style for the book. The colors are a little muted. I do wish they were a little more primary because it would make it feel a little more super heroic, like I like I always talk about. But uh, I can't I can't really complain about any of the art. The, the art's here is fantastic. Um, a lot of stories packed into this first issue as well. Uh, for that reason, the panels tend to be a little bit small, but uh, it still works very very well. Um, I can't I can't begrudge the size of the panels because you do get a big chunk of story here and it's all stuff that we need to know. So I think the entire creative team did a, a fantastic job. You can get in on the ground floor of a brand new character right here, Rogue Son. You don't even need to have uh, you don't need to have picked up Supermassive last week because again, this is a different Rogue Son. Now that being said, I highly encourage you to pick up Supermassive if you missed it last week because it's a fun book on its own. Um, but yeah, this is just fantastic. It's just a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to, to learning more about Rogue Sun and uh, the little surprise twist on the last page, the uh, arch villain, arch nemesis that Rogue Sun seems to have already after only one issue is interesting as well. So yeah, there's a lot to like. Uh, okay, up next for me, Moon Knight. This is uh, issue number nine, I think. It's issue number nine. I say that because I feel like it should be issue number nine, but on the cover, the nine is, it could be a six because it's flipped upside down. But based on the way things are going, and it's because in this issue, Moon Knight enters this place. It's kind of like a maze. And so the main cover is sort of this Escher-like maze looking cover. That's really, really cool. So anyway, written by Jed McKay, Alessandro Capuccio does the art, Rochelle Rosenberg on colors, Corey Petit on letters. Really fun. Moon Knight gets a new headquarters. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> There's actually not that much that happens in this in this issue, um, which is sort of interesting. Because it, it there is another question that's raised here, and it's the question of whether Mark Spector should be a superhero at all, considering his, his mental state uh, and everything he's been up to uh, and had thrown at him lately. So in a way, this issue's... Um, I don't want to say a reset, but a chance for Mark Spector and readers of the book to kind of catch their breath, say, okay, where are we after the whole betrayal of the supposed friend of Mark Spector who turned out to be Zodiac? And then from there, it was a devil's reign tie-in where Mark Spector was in prison um, and the, the moon mission got blown up. So, you know, what does he need to do to kind of settle himself and ground himself and then kind of uh, rededicate himself to his mission of, of helping the people in his neighborhood. So yeah, a bit of a, a down issue in terms of like action and story momentum, but still has some, some good moments. I am still uh, enjoying this book. Uh, and Alice, Alessandro Capuccio's art is, it's an interesting take on Moon Knight, a little dark, like Moon Knight himself there's a lot more shadow in his costume than you might you know, necessarily expect. Like I'm used to seeing him as like this shining silver or white character. And there's a lot more shadow to it the way Alessandro Capuccio draws it. So it's definitely working. I wouldn't mind if the book was a little bit brighter though, to be honest. So, uh, all right. Up next for Jay, this is a wild and crazy one. It's from image. It's called loaded Bible written by Steve Orlando and Tim Seeley. And if you know those guys and they're writing, you can expect this to be as crazy as it actually is. Uh, the art is by Giuseppe Cafaro, colors by Josh Rodriguez, letters by Fabio Emilia and Maurizio Clossi. So give us the lowdown on this one, Jay. 
<laughs> well, the good thing about this book is they give you a forward in the beginning to explain what is going on yeah. in this timeline, because if you didn't have this, you'd be kind of like, well, what, what, what the heck's going on? So, I mean, it, it, I think it's already out there. You can look at the preview guy. It tells you that there's, you know, the church is run by you no know, other than, you know, the king of the darkness. <laughs> He's in charge of the church somehow. They put their trust in this guy. It's in the future. Um, there's a clone of Jesus, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I'm guessing he has his powers. I'm not too sure, but I guess it said in like after the apocalypse, it's not a bad, it's not a bad story. Uh, it's interesting, um, how they're going to do it, I guess. It's just, it's really out there. And like you said, with team Sealy, you're kind of like, okay, but it's, we'll see how it's like you said, you always get what a book, a couple of issues where you can actually say a yep. or nay. But it's different. Um, it's definitely not for people that uh, I guess have religious belief because they would be like the sacrilegious because it kind of is in a sense because you got, you know, a demon running the church. <laughs> yeah. Dracula as as the pope. Yeah. The red, oh my red, the red pope. Um, and yeah, I, I was kind of I haven't seen any backlash. I could I, I could see people, you know, like you said, um, taking it too seriously. Uh, right. But it's all, I mean, it's all in good fun. It's a crazy story. I mean, Jesus is a clone. <laughs> it's, I don't know what to think of it, except that it's wild and crazy. The art is really kinetic. Um, yes. I, I love the way Jesus is drawn. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's like Jesus in the superhero costume and he's out there like, fighting vampires. It's right. just fun. It's just fun. Yeah. So I'll definitely be in for issue two to, to see if it, Right, but I, like you can't take it serious. I mean, I know it no. might offend some people, but just you know, don't take it serious. It's like the, what was the other one, the Forgotten Son or Forgotten Son? That was a crazy yeah. uh, story yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, where uh, yeah, the one that was supposed to come out from Vertigo from Mark Russell. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Where he he had a roommate. Jesus had a roommate. So uh, anyway, I have another image book up next. It's Newborn Number Newburn, rather Number Four. This is from uh, Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips. There's a backup called Brooklyn Zirconia. That's by Nadia Shamas with Zayed Yusuf Ayub as artist and Frank Vetkovic on letters. Um, this is just a, a fantastic book. It's crime noir. It's an interesting concept. You have this ex-cop newborn who is basically like a, a, a Columbo type detective for the mob. And when I say for the mob, I mean all the crime families. All the crime families agree that any uh, crimes that happen between them or any any crimes that they don't want, um, like a lot of press on, they call Newburn. And Newburn comes in and the police allow Newburn to solve the crimes and then they take all the credit for them. So it's a way to keep the peace between the families. And in this particular issue, there's another sort of pseudo family that comes in and wants to hire Newburn and for reasons that are clear, if you read the story, he doesn't want to do it, but sort of gets forced into it. But of course, he's clever enough to sort of figure a way out of it, kind of. Um, and again, I'm being super vague because I don't want to spoil, but what this does is it it really focuses and um, kind of emphasizes the political machinations between the different families and law enforcement and Newburn and all these different factions and everybody's always out for themselves and they want to keep the peace because in the end peace is good for business in terms of you know selling drugs and not having a lot of heat on the families looking to um crack down because innocent civilians have gotten caught up in uh you know violent acts or uh or been exploited by uh the crime families in some way. So it's just a really, really well put together book. Uh, highly recommend it. The backup story by Nadia Shamas is also really, really good. Um, dealing with a, a family who is sort of uh, has its members that are estranged, but with a background of some shady dealings. So that's, uh, that's done really well uh, also. And actually the, the backup, I need to go back and reread Um the backup like all in one city because it, it, you know it is smaller chunks of story um so it does tend to move a little faster in terms of pace so i want to go back and reread because it has a couple of time jumps uh and i think i'll i can get more out of it now that 
I've kind of got a better understanding of, of where Nadia Shamas is going with the, with the story. So, uh, okay. Up next, this, I'm going to talk about this one just real briefly. It didn't blow me away. It's what if Miles Morales became Captain America? It's from writer Cody Ziegler. Paco Medina is the artist. Walden Wong, Victor Olazaba, Sean Parsons on inks, Chris Sotomayor on colors, and Corey Petit on letters. So it's a what if story. What if Miles Morales became Captain America? I think it's a four issue mini, but all the what if, it's all focused on Miles Morales. Like the next issue is what if Miles Morales became Wolverine? Um, and in this particular issue, the the mission that Captain that Miles Morales Captain America goes on has to do with um, the Marvel multiverse, and he gets a glimpse into an you know other um, other multiverses or other parts of the Marvel multiverse, and he sees different versions of himself as different heroes. And so, uh, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Miles Morales, but I'm a fan of Miles Morales as Spider Man, like. This seeing him as Captain America didn't really do much for me, and and the idea of seeing him at, as Wolverine uh, or Thor or Hulk or whatever else he might be, it just it doesn't really excite me. So this was okay, um, you know, it, technically a good comic, and I, I probably enjoyed just about every other character in the book more than Miles Morales as Captain America. Like I enjoyed. The version of Falcon. I enjoyed the version of Red Skull that we got. I enjoyed the version of Ganky and Prowler and all. I enjoyed all those characters more than Miles. To me, I don't know, and not to pin pigeonhole Miles, but Miles to me just he works so well as that archetype for a Peter Parker like character for a Spider Man like character. I just I didn't enjoy seeing him as Captain America. And I mean, again, I'll give uh, I'll give the second uh, issue a try because you always got to give. A book at least two if not three issues so seeing him as a wolverine i guess we'll see but i mean i, I personally i mean the, the part of what makes wolverine wolverine is that idea that he could he could go berserk at any time and cut loose that's part of his personality that's not in any way shape or form who miles is so um him as wolverine and eh, i don't know if it works for me uh all right up next for jay she hulk issue number two from rainbow Rowell. Roge Antonio does the art, Rico Renzi on colors, Joe Kermania on letters. Beautiful Jen Bartel main cover. Um, what do you think of this one, Jay? It was uh, fun, I guess. It's, it focuses around, I guess he's popping everywhere, uh, Jack of Hearts. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be everywhere. And this whole issue pretty much focuses on uh, him because uh, as she was talking to him. Uh, she really, he does a lot of things he's never done before. So wherever he was held up or wherever he was at changed him in a, in a way. And it's, she talks to him, she gets more and more information. Um, it's pretty much the whole premise of the story, which was different because it really wasn't doing anything with She-Hog. It's just her being there for him, you know, but I do like that. She-Hog's back. I, I enjoy the character a lot. I'm glad she got her own book again, because I, like I said, I was, I didn't like her being the, the crazy, uh, you know, I would like her being, you know, this version yeah, of her. Being, the more, the, being, yeah, this the is more the feminine version. Yeah, you know, she's a lawyer. She has a regular life and she can control, the, you know, the, you know, the hawkism, I guess. The Annie, though, it leaves a lot to wonder what's going to happen next because, you know, I don't want to give it away, but there's a lot going on in the, the the picture. If you look at it, you'll see that it's been going on for a while. What's, you know, what's, what's, what's behind the scenes, but uh, we'll see what happens in the third issue. But uh, so far it's not bad. I, you know, I'm just glad that, you know, she's got her own book back. I, I've always liked the character and I've have all the other runs. So it's like, it's nice. Yeah. When we talked about the first issue, obviously we didn't want to spoil that Jack of Heart showed up on the last page, knew he was dead. Um, but didn't even know. I mean, it had been a long time since I, I, hadn't read anything with Jack of hearts in it. I don't think I was reading Avengers when he was, when he's a member of the team and a, a very underused character, but a very intriguing character to me. So I'm glad to see him back. And yeah, I love the fact that apparently he's much different in terms of, of power and, you know, living his life than he was previously. And so we don't know how he's back. We don't know why he's different, but he's, <laughs> he, he, along with She-Hulk are in the pages of the reckoning we're right now. So yeah, like Jay said, he's he's sort of popping up everywhere these days. We'll <laughs> see how that we'll see how that works. Uh, all right, last book for me is uh, 
Devil's Reign Spider-Man, number one. This is from writer Anthony Piper. Art is by Z. Carlos. Colors by Eric Arsenega. Letters by Joe Caramagna. This is uh, still the Ben Riley Spider-Man. It's not Peter Parker. Uh, we saw in the pages of Devil's Reign that uh, Ben Riley actually got captured by the Thunderbolts, uh, the Thunderbolts that are working for Kingpin. Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm broke him out. Now in this issue, he gets captured again by who you think is the police, but maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Um, we get the return of a of a very classic Spider-Man villain. Uh, he's on the front cover, but I still won't spoil um, who it is. But a lot of machinations, a lot of um, mid-80s, mid to late 80s feel in this one in terms of who the, the villains are or whatnot. Um, I think this is just a one shot because it does say the end when you get to the end of it, but, uh, I did enjoy it. It was interesting to have Ben Riley go up against these villains who, like I said, sort of classic mid to late eighties Spider-Man villains. Um, and it was, it was just a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed the, the issue it ties in well with, um, both with what's going on in Spider-Man Beyond as well as the Devil's Reign storyline. And I'm curious to see if these, these villains are going to, you know, continue to show in Spider-Man once uh, the Beyond story's over and Zeb Wells takes over. Uh, okay. On to the last book uh, that we're going to talk about in detail. This one's Jay's it's Spider-Woman. Uh, Carla Pacheco's the writer. Pere Perez uh, is the artist. Frank Diarmada on colors. Travis Lanham on letters. Okay, all I got to say is that this is my book of the week because <laughs> it was a, it was a tough with some other books, but I just really, really, really enjoy the the character, the way they write her and draw her in the series. It's uh, she's another a favorite of my uh, another fan favorite for me. I, I love the character. Um, it's just nice how they make her more um, how to put more humanized. They can you know tell more of her her life story. You know what's going on behind it, what she's thinking, and I like that. This one is really kind of crazy because, you know, um, from the last issue, we saw the very last panel where they got like a group of villains trying to go after her. So the whole premise of this is they're pretty much uh, what are they? The it's a weird name, the uh, anti-Iraqi nine. So they're just like a tryouts for how to join this this group. Apparently, there's a lot going on. It's very humorous. Uh, we also got, you know, uh, Spar Woman, you know, trying to hang out with Lindsay, trying to do her thing, you know, trying to uh, relax and get her chi back, I guess you can say. But it, what makes it so funny is that you got these different villains doing different things to do, like I said, like a tryout. But they are like, it's just hilarious the way they try to do it. And the one person that we only saw one glimpse before and a couple of issues ago actually does like the worst thing to her, which is hilarious that because he has no powers. It's just a really fun book. Um, if you're going to spend five bucks in a book, I would definitely do this one because it's, the book is just great. The story is awesome. The interior work is just spot on. The bickering between the villains is the best part of the story. <laughs> That's I love it. It's just I, I had to read it twice because it was just so hilarious, especially when they're trying to do their uh, their presentation, and some people just start. It just it's just it's funny. Uh, the ending though, I think it's done being funny at the end because you know we get like a, that last panel. It's like okay, what, what what's going to happen now? You know? Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing: like, it's so fun and it's so entertaining. And if you flip through it, you realize that Spider-Woman never even shows up in this issue. Like there's a, yeah. few, there's a few pages. <laughs> there's a few pages of Jessica uh, uh, Drew. And that's fine. Um, and we get even a uh, Carol Danvers sighting. But this is a book about the villains, and, like you said, and their interactions. Um, and kind of almost a recap or, or a reminder from the creative team, like, hey, look at all these villain like a lot of the villains here a lot if not all of the villains here that are forming the anti-arachnine are villains that this creative team has introduced to the to the marvel universe uh and so yeah it's it's a reminder of that and how much fun they are i mean brothers grim are here obviously they, they, they predate this series but a lot of the others debuted in the series and it, yeah it's just fun how 
they're formidable and they're dangerous in a way, but in, in another way, they're just such losers. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's a reminder of that with their banter back and forth. And yeah, it's just such a fun book. And the, and the Pere Perez art is fantastic as it's been throughout colors work like yeah just a great great book so all right well let me give a rundown on some other titles you might might want to be on the lookout for today as you uh, hit your comp shop there's actually no aftershock uh this week but there is an ahoy uh wrong earth one shot it's called trapped on teen planet they're going to be doing a series of these one shots and they're bringing in other um creators to to write them so this one is uh, Gail Simone. So that's why I bring it up because I know there's a lot of Gail Simone fans out there. So you might want to look into that. Um, over at Boom, we have the 12th issue of the Magic the Gathering comic from DC. Again, we talked about these in our DC spotlight yesterday. We have the end of the Arkham City, the Order of the World issue number six brings that series to a close. Batman 121 brings that story arc by Joshua Williams to a close. We have the first issue of the Batman Killing Time, number one of six issue from Tom King with art by David Marquez. It's a high story. It focuses on Batman right around the second year of him being Batman. So he still has a lot to learn. It's it's a high story. It's action-packed, continuity light. Definitely recommend checking it out. Dark Knights of Steel, number five of 12. We mentioned that one a little bit earlier. Detective Comics is up to number 1,055. We've got the next to last issue of Brian Michael Bendis' run on Justice League with number 73. Justice League Incarnate, leading to the Dark Crisis coming from DC later this year. Uh, issue number five of five is out or came out yesterday. Uh, Monkey Prince, number two of 12 with uh, an all Chinese creative team for that Chinese character. Nice House on the Lake, number seven of 12 is that series return from hiatus. Uh, One Star Squadron, number four of six from writer Mark Russell with Steve Lieber art. Static Season One comes to a close with number six of six. Nicholas Draper Ify has fantastic art in that book. That one's written by Vida Ayala. Suicide Squad 13 is the second part of the War for Earth 3. And we also have War for Earth 3, number one of two, which is the first part of that War for Earth 3 story. And then uh, World of Krypton, number four, Michael Avon Omi art, Robert Venditti, it's number four of six, gives us the origins of the, the animosity between the houses of El and Zod. So that one's a sort of classic um, Kryptonian history um, in that one. So uh, from Image, in addition to the books that we talked about, we have Hell, Co- Hell Cop, number five, Magic Order, volume two, number five of six, and Walking Dead Deluxe, number 34. Uh, over at Marvel, I think we talked about just about everything. There is Black Panther, number four, that's also out that we didn't mention. Also, um, over in the Star Wars corner, the regular Star Wars series, issue number 21 is out, and Star Wars, The High Republic, number 15, and then Venom number, no, I'm sorry, uh, that's a second printing, Venom number four, second printing, uh, but also X-Men number nine from Jerry Dugan hits uh, comic shops today, and I think that's it. you have any uh, anything you want to add to that, Jay? Yeah, we got a uh, comic tribe. They got Happy Hill number two. It's like a, a mystery, like the haunted woods, and it's like a resort. It's actually pretty good. So uh, the second one comes out this. Uh, it's by um, Mulvey and Doix. I'm probably saying the name totally wrong. And then uh, the last book you ever read, number five from Volt Comics, uh, writers Cullen Bunn and art by Leah Lex. It's pretty good. It's actually been pretty fun. Like you read the book, you go crazy and mad. And this author uh, has someone helping her out like a protector. But the whole deal is he can't read the book because if he does, he'll turn like everybody else. The other one is Behemoth Comics. It's Until My Knuckles Bleed, number two. That's uh, drawn and written by Victor Santos. And the first one was fun. So it's it's just a, a really cool book. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned something from Vault. I almost forgot. Uh, Blue Flame, number seven, from Christopher Cantwell is out today as well. So, again, there's tons and tons of great books out there this week. Um, Jay's Book of the Week, Spider-Woman, number 20. Uh, I did a total cop-out, couldn't pick between three. So, I'm calling out Crossover, number <laughs> number 12. Uh, Rogue Son, number one. And, of course, Noctera, number eight. They're all very 
very, very good. All very much worth your time. So be sure and check them out. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We really appreciate your support as always, everybody. Uh, and especially for the uh, Spawn Daily that we're doing. You guys are downloading it in droves. So I uh, hope you're uh, enjoying the 30th anniversary of Spawn as much as we are. So that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. See you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.